Welcome back, episode 209 of Two Drunk Brothers in the Podcast. This week, we got UFC 292. We're going to talk about, probably going to throw on some other shenanigans as well, but it's mainly UFC episode, so hope you guys are about that. Big card this weekend. Just the OG Two Drunk Brothers this weekend. JR, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot. Just... uh... Staying busy, getting excited for this car, getting excited for football season. Um, taking a little break from the football content this week, but uh, we'll be back at it next week. And starting next week, we'll have gambling picks for every single weekend until Super Bowl 54. So, or 55 this year, I think. 55? Yeah. So excited. I know. Football next weekend? Week zero? Week zero is next weekend. Yes, sir. Not a whole lot. I mean, there's nothing nice. exciting on there. Oh. But- Anything's exciting at this rate. I know. I know. Anything. I'll I'll bet on. I don't even care. Arkansas Technical College University two year at this rate. Let's get a let's get a little. You want a little sneak peek at it? See if there's anything worth a damn. Yes, we'll give a sneak peek of the <clears throat> slate and see if there's anything at all out there that's. We won't give you any picks. Just something. Just games to be excited for. College football schedule 2023. Pulling it up now. Internet's being slow. That's usually about how how things go. I'm just looking at. All right, so we got Navy and Notre Dame at 1.30 next Saturday. Uh, UTEP and Jacksonville State at 4.30. UMass and New Mexico State. We have three games at 6 o'clock. UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio and San Diego State, Hawaii. That will be a good one. Um, Vanderbilt's like 17 point favorites. Um, San Jose State at USC at seven o'clock, and FIU and Louisiana Tech at eight o'clock. I okay. don't know how many of those I'll actually tune into, but game yeah. of the week will obviously, I guess, the game to tune into probably would. I mean, no one really wants to watch Jacksonville State, but yeah, I like UTEP minus one just off the rip. Uh, the game of the week that might be good to watch would be Ohio and San Diego State. That's what I was going to say, too. 6 o'clock Central next next Saturday. So we'll talk about that, give some week zero picks, give a little college football preview for the season. I feel like there's usually um, more games. I think there usually are, too. But they have a ton on Thursday, like the following Thursday. So that, that Thursday of Labor Day weekend, there's actually a ton that night. There is one, two, three, four, four games at 6 on the Thursday, one at 6.30, one, two, three, four, five, six at seven and a nine o'clock game. Um, so there's a ton of, there's 14 games on that Thursday night, which I feel like is more than usual. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. Well, only seven games next weekend. So we will have to dig deep for you guys and get some picks out maybe come up. We'll, we'll discuss our new pick regime, what we're going to do this year. So we'll cover that. Um, but outside of that, that's really it. This week we've got UFC 292, Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley. Uh, should Shug be Shug. a pretty good card. Sugar Sean, two fight, two uh, title fights. We got that one. And then we got uh, uh, it was, and Lamanda Lemos. It was going to be an amazing card. And let's kind of kick it off with this before diving into picks. But we've had two now f- fights. Not, I wouldn't say cancellations because half of the half of the fight is still fighting. You know, the one the fighters who didn't back out are still fighting. We've had two big main card fights be dropped off. The first one, obviously, Ian Gary, um, who's an undefeated welterweight, was supposed to fight Jeff Neal, a big jump up in competition for him. They had a 
bit of a rivalry. Jeff Neal backed out. Um, and then Cody Garbrandt was supposed to fight Mario, Barti- Mario Bar- Bautista. I feel like the UFC is trying to build Cody Garbrandt back up. They keep like slowly like, hey, level him up. You're back on the main card. And he backs out due to injury. He just keeps um, shooting himself in the foot. With yeah, just with just like he takes one step forward, two steps back. It's like that's literally how you, all you can describe it. Um, former bantamweight champion, but so and Travis has been frustrated by this. I've always thought it was an issue. I even talked about it when I did a governance and policy sport class out at Mizzou. It's about I feel like, like it's becoming kind of just can you more of an issue though. Like yeah. every, I feel like every big card, and I mean it happens damn near every. First of all, almost almost every weekend, no matter what card, fight night, free fucking pay per view, whatever you're looking at it, I feel like it almost happens every week. But it's becoming a huge issue nowadays. I don't know if everyone's just getting soft, they're pulled out because injury. Granted, I don't want them to fight with injury, but a lot of things yeah. are happening. Like what was that two weekends ago? Uh, Wonder Boy. That fight didn't happen because the guy missed weight. Uh, yeah. That's a little bit on both sides. I get you don't want to fight a guy that comes in overweight, doesn't do his job. But on the on the side of this, like this is a huge pay-per-view card. Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal, a lot more of a dynamic matchup than Neil Magny. Sorry, no disrespect, Neil Magny. And then while we are Cody Garbrandt fans, I feel like that still did add a lot to even the second fight on the main card of this fight rather than Demond Blackshear. I mean, sorry. It's, it's exciting <clears throat> to get Demond Blackshear on there, guys who fought last weekend. We'll talk more about that. I think he, he provides a little bit of excitement value just for that reason alone, being only the third guy in UFC history to uh, submit somebody via, via the twister. Um, but uh, my only th- argument and like, I don't know what you can do about it. Like besides like finding these, because they're already not getting paid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Besides, besides being like, Hey, cause you, it, it's a performance bonus. UFC is a performance based industry. If you don't show up and fight, you don't get paid. Um, and so you, you've, I see the frustration from the fighter side because you spend like these fighters spend a lot of money in camp for trainers, for um, medical staff, housing <clears throat> people that they're going to spar with and stuff like that and train with to stay on site. Like you're out money if you don't fight. So, I just don't know what more you can do to prevent it besides like Travis says for every main card fight, obviously not the prelim fights, um, but for every main card fight, because we used to see it a ton back in the day, like uh, Colby Covington weighed in for a fight recently as, as the backup and, and made weight. I've seen, I've seen it happen a lot of times. I feel like for every main card fight, we should know of a backup that's gonna, gonna train, gonna make weight, gonna get paid to make weight. Even if they don't fight, so that way they didn't waste an entire camp for nothing. And then, you know, they're ready to fight, you know, whenever. So that's what I, that's the best policy I could think of besides you, cause you can't really punish the people who, who get hurt and back out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, <clears throat> getting hurt's a different story. Uh, I like the idea of having backups missing weight. Um, I think fighters might have more of incentive to take the fight. Like if you're fighting against a guy who missed weight, you might have more of an incentive than just like whatever 15 to 20% of his purse. I think it needs to be like 50%. If you were to give Steven Thompson like 50% of a guy's purse, I mean, because that's half the battle, weight cutting the weight. You miss I weight. Don't, yeah. 
I don't think Stephen Thompson, that particular scenario, I think Stephen Thompson is more worried about fighting a guy who didn't make weight, who had a weight advantage in that stage of his career because he doesn't really care. It's happened to, it's happened him before in the past. I'm just using that as an example. But I know he didn't want to yeah. fight a guy that missed weight in the past because I think – I don't was it Darren Till who came in overweight and he lost to him? Yeah, because when you there's when you an miss example weight, in the past, that, it, there's there's a blemish on your record regardless of it, and no one's going to look back and think and see, oh, that guy missed weight, that's why he lost. They're just going to see, oh, you lost this guy, and that's that. So it could be either, you know, um, like, and again, I I don't know how serious you want to take, how far you want to take it, but it could be like, okay, you fight this guy, it's like of no. Like you have nothing to lose. If you fight a guy that missed weight, it's like you you won't lose in the you only have something to gain from it. You won't go down in the rankings. Uh, you know, if you want to take it a, a, like as a loss on your career, that's fine. But like you can only go up, you can't go down. So maybe, and I and I feel like he would have taken that fight because I know Stephen Thompson's like his and nearing the end of his career, he only wants to fight for a title. He's not gonna, you know, jeopardize that by fighting a guy who missed weight. Saying yeah. that, um there could be a nut like a clause in there. Whereas if you miss weight or you do something stupid to where you can't fight um, on, and you have a main card fight, you should get like outside of getting injured, you should get like a main card ban. Like you can't fight on, or like, I don't know, like your next like two to three fights can't be on a main card. Maybe not a ban, but like, maybe like, Hey, you're like, if you, if, if you're a chronic, like it's almost like, like I view it as like steroid use. Like if you're a chronic person who like, you know, this is your second time backing out of a fight because of injury, you know, whether it's main card or prelims or whatever it might be. Okay, cool. If it's your, you know, we'll, we'll give you one shot. The second time you do it after that, then your next fight that you get, it's your, your purse is going to be reduced by X amount of money because you're, you, we just can't, you know, we're not going to book a, book a big fight for you. If we know that you're a person that chronically backs out of fights, so I think there's a lot of ways they get creative. The problem with the UFC, it's so un, it's so unregulated, and fighter fighter pay is already uh, a hot topic of discussion. Like they really right. aren't paid a ton, to be honest with you, like fifty to show um, for a lot of these guys. But you know, all these main card guys, you know, they get you know, at least six figures. So, let's. Yeah. I mean, we we talk about that too. Like, of course, they're not getting the million dollars, millions and millions of dollars that you know, like big sport athlete guys are um but they're getting promotional money you know sponsorship money all this stuff too so mm-hmm. let's not act like they're only bringing in you know hundred thousand dollars a year yeah no no that's not the case and like uh i've seen a tiktok though before have you seen the guy who's like a finance guy for like for a bunch of fighters so he like broke down like what this i can't remember which fighter it was but he like had this like whole budget sheet of like he's like all right this fighter just made this much money off off of this performance bonus from this ufc win um and you know here's how he has to make it last for the next six months before his next fight and he like breaks it all down he like shoves some money in like a 401k into a roth ira and like he he's like hey he's gonna go on vacation so somebody's going here he has to pay his trainers it was kind of cool so like i feel like if more guys had that then it wouldn't fighter pay wouldn't be such a huge discussion um, he doesn't. He doesn't have to go on vacation. No, he this, and this guy. This guy wasn't broke by any stretch of the measure. Like the right. money he made, they, like, he also got performance bonus, and he also, got that's a, a big six figure to show. Yeah. That's a big thing because that's something that you don't have to share with your staff is performance bonuses. So, like, I feel like they don't have to, but highly a lot, them, a lot of them do, though. A lot of them, do. but not as much as like 
I mean, you're not getting a huge cut of it. Yeah. Anyway, we're just saying, like, we understand it's a problem. It's really been a problem for a long time. I think it's been prevalent lately because we have had two, now three big main card fights either be canceled in the last two last two main events or last two pay-per-view events that have been within a month of each other. One that was canceled, two that are majorly changed. Um, so, yeah, I will uh, – my apologies for the ice. Travis just told me it's so goddamn loud. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I my uh, my fridge line that runs the water started leaking everywhere, so I had to fucking turn off the water line to my fridge so I can get a fridge guy to come out here and look at it. So I went to the because me and my wife love ice. I went to the store and bought a bag of ice and just shoved it in my freezer where the ice ice dispenser's at. And you, like bagged ice for whatever reason is so much louder than like regular ice that you get that, that the cubed ice you make from your freezer. That fucking little interesting. Ice. Do you not? Do you not? It almost feels like glass, like because every time, like my dog's. No, gonna I hear it. Yeah, it's like, I do the same because I have. I'll get I'll get ice from the big ice machine at the course, and I'll fill up my big like thermal cup with it before I come home. And I get home, and it's just like it is very loud. So I hear what, I hear what you're saying. So yeah, like, normally my, my cup that goes on for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, well, my cup holder on I, on this desk up in my basement. There's a cup holder that sits on the desk, and it sits right in front of my mic. So that's probably why every time I took a drink, I was setting it down and I was going right past the mic. So I'll leave oh. it over to the right, away from the mic, and hopefully that helps out a little bit. Um, but anywho, we just want to talk about that. Anything else you want to add to that? I feel like we kind of came up with a few good examples of what you could do. You know, whether it's not giving them as much money on their next fight after after a back out, or um, just I think the best bet is to have somebody in the wings ready to make weight and pay them to make weight for every main card fight. Maybe not every, maybe like the top three, but whatever. It's really, I mean, it's really just a problem for pay-per-view events. Cause like once you, once you get like, cause you gotta think you're paying like, what is it? $70 now for a pay-per-view event. So one, and you only get uh, most time five fights. So if, if one of those is like less than stellar or not what you expected, I think also another thing they could either do is drop the pay-per-view a little bit or then, or just get, or do something with the yeah. fighter. I don't know. I've, because I've, let's, I've be, I mean, let's be honest. The two fights that got replaced aren't what it should have been. But it, it, they'll, they'll be sufficient enough. I like Ian Gary. I, I was I was going to love watching him fight regards free fights. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the other one wasn't as good. They replaced with a guy who has a lot of buzz right now, which I think I think is good for them. Um, just spoiler for you. Not spoiler alert, but I keep saying spoiler tonight. Um, uh before we jump into like the bets, I still remember to this day the worst pay-per-view card I ever bought, probably. It was at Darren Lawson's house when he used to live in the house over there in Bonterre. And it was supposed to be um Khabib and um Tony Ferguson. And literally, like, cause Darren used to be able to pre-purchase. This is back when they used to buy pay-per-views on like direct TV and not like through through ESPN Plus. So like Darren worked for AT and T, so he was able to like get buy it early at like a super big discount. So he we he bought it like that Thursday, and fucking for like twenty five thirty bucks. And then uh, Tony Ferguson backs out Friday morning. They replace him with Ally and Kenta, and so he fought Khabib for the uh, vacant lightweight championship belt after connor vacated it to go fight floyd mayweather and it was the worst card i think i've ever watched in my entire life sounds about right 
So shit like that. So I, I get what you're saying about discounting the the pay-per-view card potentially. Just something. So, yeah. Something. But all right. Um, let's dive into it. Uh, we will um, just run through. I mean, shit, we could run through every fight unless one of us doesn't have a pick. Also, one thing I didn't mention, whoever has or hasn't been watching the Ultimate Fighter this season, the finale for both of the divisions are on this card. So they're on the prelims. Right now, they st- it is still TBA on who Brad Katona is going to fight uh, because the Ultimate Fighter is airing tonight. So when you're listening to this, it will be announced. I'm sure it's probably already aired and just has an update on the ESPN website. I am choosing the option to not look because I like watching the Ultimate Fighter. I am watching. I don't know who it's going to be. So it is not on the UFC's website. So who, I guess the other ones, Hubbard and, and Hollaball. Hubbard and Hollaball are fighting. Yes, uh, and then Katona, and then again the final semi matchup was on tonight's last episode of the Ultimate Fighter. So there's actually going to be four fights on the prelims and instead of just three like they have right now? Yeah, on ESPN it shows you three. It just shows you Brad Katona doesn't have a matchup yet. It's TBA. Well, there's actually three right now on the UFC website. It's Hubbard, Hollabaugh, uh, Robocop, and this Dennis Tullian guy, and Weidman and Tavares. So I'm guessing there'll be a fourth there then. Yeah, Brad Katona, and then whoever yeah, he's got. You kept saying three, though, so it's four. Okay. Okay, well, I'm not going to give a pick for that one because I haven't. I, I Well, that's on the prelims, so we can jump down to the early prelims if you want, if you have any picks for those. I um, do. I do. I actually have picks for a lot of fights on this card, whether they're lay pieces or what. Um, but, yeah, I do. Okay, do you have a pick for the very first fight, Kareem Silva and Marina Moros? Yeah, I actually like Moros here. Um, she's plus 130 in Bavada. Um, yes. Silva, Silva is a submission specialist and Moros has never lost via sub. Um, I think it won't be an exciting fight. I probably won't be able to tune into it because I won't be home in time to watch that one. Uh, but, uh, I, I like Moros to win this one at plus 130 bonus pick. I like her to win by decision at plus 200. Cause I don't think Silva really gets finished, but I don't see her finishing Moros. So, um, those are my two picks, a pick and a bonus pick there. Interesting. I was looking at the wrong fighters when I said yes. Um, if I had to lean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is literally just a shot in the dark. So whatever you decide to pick. At, at the first glimpse, I was liking Moros, but then I looked at Silva. She is undefeated in the UFC. Granted, she came off the contender series, but then had a first-round submission. First-round submission. It looks like she's a damn – Great submission specialist. You look on the other side. They're both they're both Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialists. Um, It's just who's going to come out on top. You never know. It might not be a bad idea to take the underdog, but we'll see. I like Silva. Jared likes Moros. The smallest margin of units possible. Yep. Um, Andrea Lee, Natalia Silva. Anything? Silva's a lay piece. And then maybe if you want to have a pick in this fight just to have something rooting interest, I'll do Silva inside distance, plus 160. She's 3-0 in the UFC, leaves 5-5, and UFC vet coming off two straight losses. So, Okay, don't hate that at all. Yeah, you don't see a girl with like three knockout victories in a row very often, so don't hate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't see anything in that off the jump sparked my interest. So what is Silva inside distance? Do you have it? Plus 160. 
Okay, fairly good value considering she's minus three sixty. So apparently everyone yeah. thinks she's going to win by decision. Don't like yeah. I like that pick. Uh, last fight on the early prelims, a fight that should absolutely not be on the early prelims. Andre Petrosky, who is Ultimate Fighter. I don't know if it was the last season or the season. It's twenty seven. Ortega. It would have no, been. would have been. This is thirty one. It, it might. I think it would have been twenty nine. Okay. I thought I saw 27 earlier, but 29. It, maybe it is. Yeah, 29. So it's one with Brian Ortega and uh, Andre Volkanovsky. Okay. Or Alexander Volkanovsky. I was looking at Andre. Uh, but he's fighting Gerald Mearshart, who has had a plethora of UFC wins. I feel like he's an underdog a lot, and usually when he is, he upsets somebody. This fight is tricky, though, for me. He's plus 200 odds. Petrovsky's minus 240. I would, if there's my biggest piece of advice. I would avoid, do not put Andre Petrosky in a parlay. Absolutely no, he's not, not in mine. No, um, not in mine at all. Petrosky is nine and two. He has four knockout wins four submission wins, but both of his losses have, he's been finished. He got knocked out and then he got submitted. Gerald Mearshart, 27 submission wins in his career. These guys are like pure finishers. Basically, so if we're going to do anything in this fight outside of taking Gerald Mearshart, um, I have I have I, I have a lay piece. I have a, I do have a I have a parlay piece in this fight under two and a half rounds. Under two and a half rounds, yeah. Minus two twenty five. Yeah, two oh five. Depend depend on where you look at. Yeah, where that's, yeah, that's that's. I mean, the, this dude, these dudes are not Mearshart. Either get slept or fucking submit somebody. Um, I That's do what if the fight if it goes to the ground, I think he could submit him if he's in a like just not playing in a bad position or has his back taken. But if yeah. it stays on the feet, he get he'll he'll get slept. He will. He will. And uh, that's what scares me. If it does go to the back, so I mean, I like the under two and a half in in a parlay. The only thing I would take straight up in this fight, I'm not putting money on your shark. I don't think. He- he gets it done. I've seen enough of him to be just he's he's mediocre at best. You know, I mean that's no no other way to put it. He's just mid as fuck. I do like a double chance bet. I couldn't find the odds on it though. But I like the double chance uh Petrosky by TKO and decision. Because I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna submit him. Uh, no, he's not he's he's not gonna submit him by any means. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like I said last time, we did a UFC episode. Bavada always has like, uh, like kind of double chance to where it's like one fighter by something, the other fighter by another thing. If they have something out there that's near sharp by sub, Petrosky by KO, that would be a really good option. Um, or or both by decision. To be honest with you, might as well bet, bet it just to go the distance at that point, though. But no, yeah, I was gonna say I couldn't yeah. really tell you the last. Yeah, you would want to go by decision. Yeah. But the last time that Gerald Mearshart won a decision win was in July of 2013. Never mind then. <laughs> so over 10 years ago. Yeah, well, def- you, definitely- you say you don't trust Gerald Mearshart, but like you look at Petrosky, how many times, first of all, he lost the Ultimate Fighter, so he didn't even win it. Yes, he is 4 0 in the UFC, but he's fought. A lot of nobodies. Mearshart's at, at least has some pretty like quality wins in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So if it, I mean, if you're looking for just value, I would take him straight up. Yeah. But. If I'm at home, able to sit down and watch that one, 
then I might bet on him. But for now, I'm just keeping the under two and a half as a parlay piece in that fight for me. Cool. The Now we're moving on to the regular prelims. First fight on, it's going to be Brad Katona, like I already said, uh, fighting the winner of the fight that plays out tonight, the ultimate fight. Just, I'm going to so try to watch. I'm going to try to watch some of them, but I can't guarantee I'm going to be able to for Saturday. Are they all Chandler fighters, or did, or did McGregor sneak one in there? Well, Brad Katona s- switched over to Conor McGregor's team because – he was going to have to fight one of his teammates, and they offered it up to all. They offered it up to all of Michael Chandler's fighters. They said, "If you, whoever, we're going to take volunteers. Whoever wants to switch over to Conor McGregor's team can do so." And the only person that did it was Brad Katona because uh, the, his trainer is the same. He trains at Conor McGregor's gym in Ireland. Oh, uh, okay. And so so he's, all of it's John Cavanaugh. John Ka- John Cavanaugh. Okay. So he's he's John Cavanaugh's guy. So he went over there. As much I I fucking I cannot stand Brad Katona the way he talks the way he like his I just hate the way he looks. Is that the I one of those? Lose, but he's really I saw good. on I saw on Twitter. Is that the one where he fucking those dudes are just banging and he knocked him out in the second round last week? That was uh, Kurt Holabaugh. So he's he's so. McGregor, right? No, the, both the guys. Everyone else is uh, Chandler. Because the format, you there's said a the guy. There's a guy stupid. fighting from yeah. There's a guy fighting. I think on tonight that would fight Brad Katona that was on uh, Conor McGregor's, but that's it. So who knows? Yeah, could be so, could be two McGregor guys and two Chandler guys. But either way, I depending on what the odds are. As much as I hate it, I almost have to take Brad Katona. He's thirteen and two in his MMA career. He's already been in the UFC because uh, he, he would be the oh, the first back or two time Ultimate Fighter winner and oh. yeah because because he was part of the veterans so he had already won it so before. question for someone I've, I've maybe seen like three episodes of the, of the ultimate fighter why do guys who are used to be in the ufc get to come back to the ultimate fighter so this season they did it differently it's they had on each weight class they had a rookie's who had who were working their way up to the ufc and they had vets who had been cut by the ufc prior uh, I never done that. And, Con- and Connor so. got stuck with both with both vets. Well, Connor took no. Connor took the rookies of the because he got the first pick, so he had to take all the rookies. Is you had to draft. You didn't draft one by one like they usually do. It was draft by like class. So yeah. he took the rookies of the one, and so Chandler got the veterans, and then it was a snake draft. So Chandler got the first pick, and the other one he was like, "Well, I'll take the veterans again," and only so he, one rookie won. Gotcha. So he, so yeah, I mean, that's, that makes sense. But this next fight, the prelim fight, I mean, these two dudes suck. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, these guys are going nowhere in the UFC. They're trash. They've already been there before and they're trash. Uh, Brad Gatona might be able to rattle off some wins if he's able to win. No, this no, no, fight no, 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 no. Because... Hubbard, H- Hubbard and Hollibaugh. These dudes suck. Dude, I... the, last, the last episode made me really love Kurt Hollibaugh. Uh, and that, I think there's some really good value in his in his uh, pick here at plus 140. He stands and bangs. He has pinpoint accuracy. Uh, he's tougher than a motherfucker, and he's really just fighting for his family at this rate. He's 36 years old. Uh, I'm taking him all day long. I like the over of two and a half at minus 155. Neither of these dudes finish each other. I mean, there's no finishes. There's no finishes. 
Hubbard's 12 of his 21 fights have gone to decision of his pro fights. But 18 of Holobaugh's 26 have been finished. There's a reason why it's a favorite. I don't know. That's how I see it. I don't. I've never. Maybe I should watch some. I don't know. Maybe I'll just fucking fast forward past all the bullshit of the Ultimate Fighter and just like watch like. Oh, you really need to just watch the, watch, yeah, watch the their last fights to get a hold on it. He's gonna come unless he just is really scared. Which even like in the last episode, Hollaball and the other guy, they they're like, we're just gonna come out, and we're just gonna bang, and they did from fucking start to finish. They were just throwing hands nonstop. Whereas other fights were kind of boring. They were sitting there feeling each other out like he was a damn gold medalist in the fucking Olympics. Uh, so I like Hollaball plus 140. That's my pick. I'll take you. I'll take your word on it. So um, let's move on to the next one. Travis's favorite fighter, Robocop. Um, Fuck this guy. <laughs> Fuck him. I hate this guy forever. They. I feel like they fed him somebody they know or thinks they think he can beat. But I don't know if he can. Well, the odds say so, but this guy's not great that he's fighting. I can't pronounce his name for me. Den- I, it's got to be Denise because there's only one in. Yeah. Tui, Tui Louis Lin. Yeah, Tui that's Lulin. what I was going to say. He's, Robo- he's Russian, so whatever the fuck you want to say it. Robocop is Brazilian. Um, I, I His name's like Greg something. Um, Gregory Rodriguez. Yeah. So... Both these dudes, to me, are finishers or they get finished. And their combined 36 fights, seven of them, seven, have gone to decision. Uh, I think the under of two and a half is a lay piece. I'm never going to bet on RoboCop. If Tululian can keep this on his feet and off the mat, Tululian's 0-4 in submissions. He's never submitted anybody. He's been submitted four times. Uh, he has a puncher's chance, like anyone does. So I think it's worth a plus two seventy five flyer on him. Just a small amount, he, just a smidge. That's it. But yeah, like if you look at Tui Luilin, the last five fights: sub loss, knockout win, sub loss, knockout win, sub loss. Mm-hmm. Dude can't can't wrestle. He can't grapple. Can't wrestle. Obviously, it's clear. You can just just take a look at his record and see that. So I do think the under two and a half, it's minus four fifty, so it's juice as fuck. But it's a great lay piece, just something throw in there for, for to get that get a little extra juice. Um I would never bet on Robocop after what happened to Travis in the last fight. Dude caught a left hook and just fucking ate canvas. Um so I, I think two Lillian's worth the plus two seventy five juice a little bit there. Yeah, I think so. Um it's just so tough. Like there's a lot of fights on this card that are big dogs. And it's like, yeah, I can see it going that way, but if you ride dog heavy, you could end up getting boned at the end of the night. Uh, also, betting the under a lot is easy to get boned, and then you're then you're stuck watching a boring fights, b losing money. <laughs> it's not. I only fun. have two. I have two unders in a parlay. So, and you've heard them both already. You've heard them both already. All right. Well, I mean, I like the under too. If you look at freaking RoboCop, knockout win is only. Uh, split decision loss was against Armin Petrosian. Then he had knockout win, knockout win, like Jared said, fucking got slept. Yeah. So in the first round of the last fight. So yeah, I like the under there, but I don't think that Robocop loses per se. So we'll see. We shall see. 
puncher's chance, man. All it takes is one. Oh, hey, never count out anything. You could be plus one thousand odds underdog, and we watched that happen one time. Fights a fight. We have watched watched it happen, and I'm sure we'll watch it happen again. Yep. At some rate. All right, so we're gonna roll to the last. Just Travis walks away and grabs a beer. We're gonna walk into the last fight of the prelims. It's a good one. It's uh, Chris Weidman uh, versus, and I don't have. I just have my pickup here. So kind of Brad Tavares. That kind of uh, gives away my hand. I like Chris Weidman here at plus two twenty. I think Brad Tavares. Is probably one of the most mid fighters I've ever seen. Did he just fought Ian Gary recently, right? And let's let's not. No, it wasn't Ian Gary. He was beating Drikas through oh. a good majority, like through the first half of that fight, pretty well. And then Drikas did what he does, and he just turns it on at the end, even though he was gassed. But I mean, he was beating him, and it was kind of scary because we all. This was the Fourth of July or the weekend of the 4th of July, International Fight Week last year. I remember mm-hmm. we all bet on him, and I was pissed because I thought he was going to lose that fight. Yeah, but that was, this was Drikas pre-nose surgery, and this was well, Drikas pre-being was the last fight. Pre-being a pussy and backing out of a title fight. Um, anywho. Also, uh, first Chris Weidman fight after Anderson, Anderson silva in his leg, and we all saw how that worked out for Anderson Silva. Not good when he came back. It all came full circle because Anderson Silva broke his leg on Chris Weidman. So, did you know that? Yeah, and then Chris Weidman broke his leg on Uriah Hall. Now Uriah Hall needs to break his leg on Chris Weidman. So, it's hard. It's hard not to take the UFC vet here. I mean, if you you look at any casual is going to look at his record or look at his recents and like, dude, this guy's fucking chalked, man. I mean, lost, 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 lost. You look at him. He gets knocked those, out a lot. Three out of six of those were to Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero, and Dominic Reyes. His three out of his six UFC losses were to those were to fucking dudes. And then he a fluke one, a, a broken leg against Uriah Hall. You have two that you can scratch your head at. Um, but prior to that, prior to those losses, he had beat Anderson Silva obviously twice. Once was a broken leg fluke. He beat Damian Maia, he beat Loyota Machida, he beat Vitor Belfort. I mean, legends of the sport. Um, I just don't see Tavares. And again, I just, to me, you look at Tavares, he's such a juice favorite. I'm not going to bet on him any way, shape, or form. Maybe by TKO, maybe. But um, he's just a juice favorite. He's not He's not parlay worthy, in my opinion. And I'm not taking that minus 275 where the fuck he's at. So that's why I got to take Weidman just for the value purpose and just because I think he has the chops to beat him, in my opinion. I mean, he definitely. I mean, he has the the history to beat him. It's just, it's so tough. It's been two and a half years since he's fought. It's been three years since he's won a fight, and by and that, and that was a unanimous decision with win versus Omar Yakhmedov. And then before that, his last win was Kelvin Gastelum, and that was five years ago. I know he's, if if you want to call him a legend, at fifteen and six, I guess six and yes. six, not knockout. I mean, everyone's a legend. It's pretty much, I guess. A, I guess if you've held the belt at some point between two thousand and twelve and two thousand and seventeen, you're a legend. 
If you beat Anderson Silva, you're you're a legend. You're a legend. You beat Anderson Silva. He lost like two UFC fights, three, four, I think maybe because he fought too long, but he fought Anderson Silva in his prime. So, and beat him twice. Once was a fluke. I get it, but still. Anywho, Anderson Silva lost seven times in the UFC. How but many? How many were at the end of his career? Well, to define end, because seven of them were his last, like ten fights. All of them were his last ten fights. But at some point, you got to hang it up. Fucking, it's like how many Adam were his last five over here? How many were his last five? I think he lost his last five. But again, that's like the same. It's like the same thing that you're getting into with uh, Tony Ferguson. It's like you at some point you got to either quit or you got to actually win. Quit fighting. I yeah, you can't because because at that rate, then you're like, okay, well, the dude's twenty and twenty, but he lost his last twenty fights. Is he a legend anymore? We're just an idiot for not knowing when to hang it up. So I want to hear your take exactly. your take on this fight. I'm leaning Weidman just because I don't want to root for Brad Navarro's either, but I, I see a world where I could be convinced to maybe do a little double dip and like protect your bet here. I mean, I'm not gonna bet. A minus two seventy juice on a guy that's nineteen and nine, um, and maybe if maybe if Brad Tavares had like fifteen knockouts in his career, yeah. Since Chris Weidman has been knocked out six times, I could be convinced. I know Brad Tavares carries a heavy hand. Um, he hit Drikus with some hard shots, had him battered up. But, but and then on the flip side, I'm like, I don't know what it, how much it's even going to take to put Chris Weidman out anymore. So that could very well happen. Uh, I. I can't take Brad Javaris in a parlay. I can't take him in anything. I'd have to take Chris Weidman. I know I'm going to be mad if and when he loses, but that's the only thing. I'm, I'm like locked to take him in this fight. Yeah. You're, 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 my hands you're, are tied. I would say hands are tied. You can't, you can't really do much there. Um, I, I, I'm glad, glad we're leaning the same there. So I mean, really so far, the only thing we've disagreed on is the Hubbard Hollible fight. Maybe the mirror shark fight a little bit, but we both know that that, that could be. That's that's. Like we didn't really. I mean, we didn't really disagree on a side in the Hubbard Hallball fight. You just thought that it was going to be boring and go the dits, and I just have Hallball. And Hallball um, could 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 win by could win by decision. So you never know. Could he could very well. Really, right. I mean, the only real discrepancy we had was the very first fight where we were just like, ah, fuck it, we'll just yeah, fuck it, yeah, fifteen bucks so, on it, and see what happens. So main card. Main card, and the more once I was like, man, I was bummed because we had those two cancellations. They rebooked. But now when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I could – I'm really kind of pumped for this. First of all, the card starts off with a banger. Anytime you well, can see Cheeto – anytime you can, say, you can see Cheeto Vera fight, I think it's I think it's fun. And as opinion. long as Cheeto Vera doesn't come out with what he did uh, against Corey Sanhagen. Cause... First of all, Corey Sanhagen is – you have in the bandweight division, you have Aljo – O'Malley and Sanhagen's number number three, right there. I mean, so the fact you lost to Sanhagen doesn't doesn't surprise me. It's the way he did it, though. So I, I get it. Yeah, he just didn't even look like he wanted to be there. So that's a little concerning. Pedro Munoz, on the other hand, rise the fame for knocking out legend. Cody Bar- yeah, <laughs> knocking out Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, um, he has losses. These are his last losses. Dominic Cruz. Uh, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, Aljamain Sterling. Those are his last yeah. losses in the last four, 
five years. Yeah, so it's pretty I hard uh, competition. Yeah, it is hard. It's tough, but you know, r- rip off Cheetos and you know he's he's been through the gauntlet and only lost to Josie Aldo, Corey Sanhagen, and Song Yudong. Back when Song Yudong was a fucking beast, um, in his last ten. So look at Munoz's last ten. He's five four and one with no contest because he took the cheap way out and uh, decided to say his eye hurt whenever Sean O'Malley poked him in the eye. Sean O'Malley is fucking piecing him the fuck up. Um, but even though he lost the first round, but yeah, what? Even though he lost the first round, but yeah, um, he he was, Rivera, he was he was he was going to knock him out. I mean, this is that there's no no there's, one calls him no one calls him Marlon anymore, but I always call him Marlon because uh, <laughs> you know I'm sorry, it's the dumbest name ever. However you want to say that that I'm wrong, go for it. But anyway, he carries a five and a half inch reach, which I feel is going to be huge for this fight. Cheeto does, yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's my pick. I know it's juiced, kind of, but you even said before if you can get a bet under minus two hundred in UFC, take it. So it's minus it. one <laughs> minus one ninety five. I like Cheeto. I don't like him as a lay piece. I don't have him in my lay particularly. I think it's a. I think this fight could go either way, but just for argument's sake, I like Cheeto minus one ninety five. I don't know how he gets it done. He could do it by decision. He could do it by the. That's the thing with Cheeto Vera. He's more. He's well rounded. He can submit you. He can knock you out, and he can take you. Take you into the trenches for 15 minutes. Definitely. So the first round is going to be crucial for him. Um, Cause I feel like he just got off to a, he got off to like kind of a bad start against San Hagen and never recovered. Mm-hmm. But, and so, and Pedro comes out hot. So you got to be ready for that. And I, hopefully he bounces back from his last loss. And he's like, okay, maybe I need to not start slow. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm hoping that he makes adjustment for. I like it. I like it. So we're both leaning Cheeto Vera there, minus 195 and Oats Juice, but um, that is the bet that I'm going to take there. So we will roll into the second fight on the main card. This was supposed to be the Cody Garbrandt fight, which I think would have been fun. I think he was finally getting the point. He Cody Garbrandt with decision in his last fight. He was kind of getting his chin back a little bit, but um, I saw some jokes on Twitter whenever they announced that he got knocked out or he got, uh, you know, he back to the fight. They're like, he knocked himself out brushing his teeth or, uh, <laughs> I mean, he has some string of bad losses. That's for damn sure. He does. So it's tough but, to see him get knocked out for injury, but here we are with Demon Blackshear, Mario Bautista. I can't find odds for this fight anywhere. I found them. They're on Bovada. Um, and no, they're not. They're on the UFC website. My, my apologies. They're on the UFC website, which has been off before, but the odds are Damon Blackshear plus 240, Mario Bautista minus 300. I mean, again, another fight where you're kind of you're kind of fucking tying my hands here. Yeah, I can't tell you the last time somebody outside of Diego Lopez that has won a fight on this short of notice. There's a second time for everything. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know if this is the time. What a dog, though, man! I mean, he's fighting. I'm not gonna bet. I'm not gonna bet on Demon Blackshear coming off of back-to-back weeks. I don't care if it was just uh, if he had a first-round submission. That's that's a lot. That takes a lot. Unless there's fighter fatigue, I think this is a bad matchup for Mario Bautista. 
Um, I just don't see how you can like put Bautista in a parlay, bet Bautista at all. There's much juice against a fighter who has not been finished inside the octagon, and Bautista is known as a grappling ground specialist, but you have Blackshear's 9-0 and on the ground, never been submitted, nine submissions, the third twister in UFC history. I mean, I just it's a it's a it's a bad matchup for Mario Bautista. Very, very bad matchup. I wouldn't go as far as saying that. That's a little extreme. Coming from a guy who's had three first round submissions uh in his last three fights, I would say bad matchup, especially given the fact that Blackshear had to pretty much stay cutting weight after the fight. Oh I'm, yeah, drained. I'm not he's gonna be drained. I'm not gonna bet Mario Bautista. I, if anything, I'd bet him by submission again. All right, I'm going to Mont Blackshear. You can, I, I can't not do it. Cannot do it. Well, plus, plus I, I am, I am certain that he will lose. Fairly certain. All right. Well, that would be. I, I, that would probably be a record of. I don't think anyone's ever won in back-to-back weeks. Maybe once. We shall see. UFC. Exactly. The first time for everything. Yeah, we shall see him lose. But that's you, you said Diego Lopez did. He fought on short notice and won. Not back-to-back weeks short notice. People fight on short notice and win all the time. Not, not often at all. It's Maybe very rare. Conor, Conor McGregor. I mean, it happens more than you think. That plus one, that plus, that I think, plus a I thousand. Think you think happens more. That plus a thousand guy we were talking about earlier. He he did it, but anywho, neither here nor there. Yeah, back to back weeks, I get it because you got you, he probably went out and partied that night. This whole night. let's be honest, this whole main card betting is ass. Oh, the, the smallest favorite is Mar is Cheeto Vera at minus one ninety. Yeah, which sucks. Which leads us into our next fight: Ian Gary and. Neil Magny. Ian Gary is mega juiced. He's a parlay piece at minus 450. I don't care if you want to call me a bitch or not. He's not losing this fight. Um, I also don't think, spoiler, that he finishes this fight. I don't think he finishes Neil Magny. Because Neil Magny really doesn't get finished. Yeah, because he doesn't fight anyone who finishes anyone. So, I would love to see Ian Gary finish him. I think if you want to, if you, you can't bet on Ian Gary straight up, he's minus 450. He's a parlay piece for sure. Uh, would you Would you agree with that? Um, do, you, do you want me to put fifty dollars on him to win ten? Because that's I'm not going to happen. I'm just saying he's he's definitely a a, a, par, a parlay piece. I don't even. That's almost like not even that. He doesn't even really add enough value to make it worth it, though. Mm. He's probably adding like. Freaking 40 points of value on your parlay. It's enough for me. That could take you from a from a plus 150 to a plus 190 or a plus 160 to plus 200 parlay. So anyway, I think Gary by decision is intriguing. I don't have any odds on it yet. There's not out there. So I think because Gary's actually been through the trenches in the Cage Warriors. He's been through five-round fights, been through five-round title fights at Cage Warriors. Um and really, I mean, everyone thinks that Gary's this immaculate finisher, but two of his five UFC wins have been by decision. So I, I just don't think Neil Magny's a guy you see get finished a lot. So that's why I think Gary is going to get a tougher matchup than what we think, and uh, it's going to be Gary's decision. 
No, Ian Gary, or Neil Magny sucks fucking dick, dude. I've watched this guy's last three fights because I thought he was like somewhat good. All he does is come at you and he tries to hug you up against the fence. Ian Gary's going to push him off and he's going to knock him out in either the first or the second round. It's gonna, Neil Magny sucks ass. I'm, I, I said this after his last fight. I think I'm pretty sure I tweeted it after his last fight and he won. But that's how much he got a robbery win. Uh, he's going to get knocked out. Okay, so Travis going Ian Gary by by KO, which will probably be at minus one fifty if I had to bet. We'll see. Again, don't know because for some reason UFC is the one sport where they refuse to put lines out when everything else is out. Yeah, yeah. Moves us into the co-main event: Wilei Zhang versus Amanda Lemos. Um, Zhang is a gigantic favorite. She's a lay piece, minus 325. Lamos is no chump. I will say that. And I even think I told Travis last weekend, we were at the horse, we were at the racetrack betting races that I was like, oh, Lamos could do it. And he convinced me that Wiley Zhang is a sheer lock. So I'm taking his word for it. She's a lock and a lay piece. I don't think she finishes her, though. I really don't. Um, I don't know about that. But one thing I did just notice, if you go – in a browser tab, and you pull up Amanda Lamosh's fighter profile and Mario Bautista's fighter profile and flip back and forth between the two, they are the same person, and one just has a uh, woman's hair. End of a China. <laughs> Probably so, but they are, they look like they could be siblings. So it's crazy because I was just looking at her picture. I'm like, wait a second. They look awfully similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, Lamos isn't bad. But I mean, Wale Zhang, Zhang Wale, however you want to say it, whichever one comes first, um, or Zhang Wei Li is how it's technically pronounced. Yeah. Outside of the outside of Thug Rose, she's dominated this division for quite for you know quite a few years. I don't think it's going to stop with Amanda Lamos, who lost Jessica Andrade last year, who has been on a severe downfall um, and has had two – she had two finishes, but Michelle Waterson and Marina Rodriguez, I think it – yeah. Anyway, again, it's just so hard because the, the women's divisions are like pretty much run by these – Monopoly fighters for like years yeah. on years, and once you get a good one, like it's just so hard to beat her. I'm not going to bet against her by no. any means, but she could get head kicked knocked out like she did against fucking Rose. Except Amanda Lemos is not a head kicker; she's a, she's a submission artist, and that's I've seen Zhang Wiley or fucking whatever you want to call her. Zhang Wiley. Zhang Wait, I'm gonna call her Wiley. I'm gonna call her Wiley. Um, I've seen her takedown defense. It's actually pretty fucking phenomenal. Um, like I said, Rose head kicked her, caught her with a head kick in that, in that first fight they had. And then a questionable decision when in that second fight, from what I remember, because Rose did try to drag her to the trenches and take her down, and, and she had incredible takedown defense. Lamos is not – a KO kick artist. So I think it's going to be hard for her to find a lucky land. If anything I do, I like Wiley as a, 
as a parlay piece, I like her by decision, and by decision, she's plus 250. I know that'd be boring, and that's not what we want, but I'd love to see them just stand in the center of the octagon and bang for 25 minutes. Um, and I think it'd be a fun fight. I think, and I think Wiley would take it. Yeah, if we get a five-minute fucking women's strawweight title fight, I might just pluck my eyeballs out. Hopefully she finishes this thing. Five rounds. I mean, I, I, you could double dip on both. I mean, if I ever was a lay piece, you could double dip easily on decision and KO. And if they're both if they're both plus odds, you're winning money. So Yeah, I'll just put her in a parlay. Yeah, that's what I would do too. But so that's about it. The going on to the main fight, the main event of the evening. The Bantamweight title fight. Aljalane Cringe Master Sterling versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. This is tough. It's tough because every if I didn't team, hate Aljamain so much, that he would I would bet on to win this fight. But I hate okay. this. Okay, I I am going to call out some people right here. One being John Anik, who said that Aljamain Sterling is the greatest bantamweight of all time. I mean, he got the belt on a fluke fucking victory because he decided not to continue after he got a, a down knee against Peter Yan. I think if we could rewind the clock and go back to that, and if he decides to continue on and he loses that fight like he was losing, we're not in this position right now at all. I think Sugar Sean's already the champion, and we're not even talking about this. But you can't change the past. I'm not a huge fan of Aljamain Sterling either, and now he's all of a sudden saying that this is his 99.9% chance this is his last fight at, 145, at, at, at 135. Um before going up to I, what, this is Bantamweight, right? 135? He would go up to yeah. uh, Feather, Featherweight. Featherweight. Featherweight 145 where he'd have to fight Volkanovski, which would not go well for him. I'm sorry. It would not go well for him at all. Um, Dude, so he's, just, he's mastered the art of being boring to watch. Yeah. All he does is take your back and gets you in a body triangle and just holds you there forever, does no damage, and you just have to score the round to him because he's holding your back the whole time. Um, Sean O'Malley said, I think he said in an interview, it was either earlier this week or late last week, that it's a life or death, um, like him taking him to the ground or not. So basically, which – and I was listening to the BYM podcast and they were talking about this. It's like, okay, well, you look at it as in, all right, I can't let him take me down because I know, like, not that I'm not confident in my skills, but that I know what he can do on the ground and it's not going to be as successful there. So you can either look at it like that from a good perspective or as in the perspective of once he takes, if he takes him down and gets him on the ground, it's like, okay, well, here I am. I'm going to submit to my feet, and I lost a fight. So are you are you, are you saying that that O'Malley is thinking that like like he can't if he goes to the ground? He's thinking one or the other. He said that it's life or death about letting him take him down or not. But I don't know I what think, way he wants to go into the fight thinking that. Well, Peter Yan took him down, and he 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 got back up, you know, a few times there in that fight. So, or he attempted takedowns. I know we're not talking about the same fighter and Peter Yan and 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 Aljamain Sterling, but. Um, 
I, I watched Henry Cejudo's video, and Henry, we all know how Henry feels about Aljamain Sterling. Um, oh, talk about another fight that was canceled off this card. Um, Henry Cejudo was supposed to fight Cheeto Vera. So That's that true. got taken away. That got taken away from us too, which would have been fucking awesome. Um, that probably been another minus 300 plus 200 fight. But anyway, um, I saw Henry Cejudo say, like, if, if Sean wants to have success, he has to stay in the center of the octagon. And my whole problem- my whole thing with Sean Sean O'Malley is that I feel like he is one of those fighters that he's going to get discouraged and frustrated very easily. And the second that like the fight starts to not go his way for a few minutes, he he's going to visibly show that. And I don't know, I've I've seen it happen with him before, and I don't love it. Yeah, I agree with you. I've also seen him say where if he can pick it, he also said if he can pick and choose his shots, which you can't on a guy that wants to shoot. If you can stay in the center of the octagon and keep your reach and not push, be pushed back towards the cage, which is where Aljamain certainly wants to live. He wants to pin you against the cage. He wants to backpack you. I saw, I, I rewatched the, this Hudo fight and Henry even did it. He even said it himself. He's like, I backed against the cage. I had to spread out. I had to try to sprawl and I was against the cage. I couldn't do shit. And he just fucking, he just controlled me for for five rounds. So, I, I think I, mean, if, I I wasn't rooting for Sean O'Malley in the Peter Yan fight because I thought that he got the fight too early. He got gifted a decision, so it kind of you know proved my theory even more that he got the fight too early. But now I want him to win so much because I hate Aljamain Sterling, and I I think he's just gonna let me down again. I don't know what it is, but I just have that gut feeling that he's going to let me down if I bet on him. He, he probably will. I mean, I'm not going to bet it. I mean, I have to bet on him. I'm not throwing Aljamain Sterling in a parlay and going to the last leg of the night. And be like, oh, I'm, I have to have Aljamain Sterling to fucking to, to close his parlay out. That's not it's not going to happen for me. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to pay this money and be like, oh, i got to root for this guy. I fucking hate to get this. No, I want Sean Miley to fucking knock his ass out. Just a bet with your head, not your heart, Jarrett. <clears throat> I understand that, but the UFC, <laughs> anyone wants to come challenge me in the UFC bets, I'll just go show you my fucking history in UFC. I am up money on it, even betting bets, fights that I shouldn't bet on, um, you know, decision-wise, going head, going hard overhead. I have to take O'Malley here. Not the smartest decision in the world, but I have to go O'Malley just because I'm not. I mean, betting-wise, I will bet on him. Um, if you are a fan, if you are a guy who has no ill will, Towards Aljamain Sterling, I would throw him in a parlay. Uh, I don't think that he submits him or finishes him. If you want to bet Aljamain Sterling by decision, I think that'd be a good bet. Uh, but I just hate him, and I like I can't bet on him. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to put him in a parlay just because, like Jared said, I don't want that to be the end of the night. And then if my parlay piece is riding on that, and he by chance does lose, I don't want to root for. Well, I don't want to hate myself, have to root for him, and then he loses. That just ruins everything, and then my parlay loses. So I'll bet on Sean O'Malley. We'll see how the end of the night takes us, but I don't love it. Yeah, or Sean O'Malley by KO, too, because there's no other way it happens. You think so? Uh, if it goes five rounds. See I mean, he beat Jan by split decision. True. Um one other thing I will say about this, and I just forgot it because I, I just lost it, but I had it and I lost it. Um, I don't know. Oh, this fight 
reminds me a lot of when Connor McGregor beat Jose Aldo. Everyone thought Aldo was the best, thought he was untouchable. They show like all these clips of all these fighters saying, yeah, Jose's going to win, Connor's stand a chance, yada, yada, yada. Connor clips 13 seconds in. I mean, anything can happen. Look at the Jorge Masvidal, Ben Askren fight. I think you go back and run that back, Ben Askren wins it 10 times out of 10. Um, so I'm saying like it's a, it's anything can happen, and I've been watching a lot of interviews from other fighters leading up to this fight. They're all on the Aljamain hype train. They're all saying he's gonna he's gonna backpack. I'm gonna get him finished within a couple rounds. Um, so you got that going for you too. You always want to root for the underdog. I mean that's that that that's what that's what sports are for. So yeah, I mean you have to. I, I mean the Aljamain Sterling fan base is few, but they literally act like they you know, sleep with him every night. So that's what you have going for you. If you're an Aljamain Sterling fan, sorry, but you suck. Absolutely. Uh, just like him. What's your, just like him. What's your, absolutely. Just like him. Terrible. What's your, what's your, what's your parlay? If you have one to cook up. My parlay to cook up would be <clears throat> Mearshart Petrosky, uh, inside the distance. Yeah. Under two and a half. Okay. Under two and a half or yeah. Um, Where was the other one? Sorry, I lost it. Robo I gotta Cop. go. Nope. Yeah, suck my ass. I would never bet on him again. No, I was gonna say uh, Robocop Kurt... Den- Dennis under two and a half, but yeah. Oh, is that what is that what we had earlier? Yeah. Hang on, sorry. I I had it and then I closed out of DraftKings because I thought we were done. You say you tell yours first because you have so your I, I have I have Mir Sharp, Petrowski under two and a half, Robocop, Denise under two and a half, Ian Gary, Wiley Zang. And then Silva on the early prelims uh, on the second fight of the night um, for plus two seventy. There's nothing crazy like we've done before, but I, I think it's I think it's a very very solid parlay. Okay, don't hate it. I can't find the odds anywhere for it because I can't find totals anywhere outside of best fight odds. They're not in Nevada. They're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So like Petrosky, Mirshart under what? If you start for my loud eyes, um, you got you got to click on more on on Bavada. There's it says there's only four bets per fight. Yeah, and if you click on the four bets, one of them is the under. I hate how betting websites are the most unuser friendly things in the entire world. Yeah, but I hear you. But they, those unders are on there because that's how I got them. Okay, so I got Petrosky Mearshart under two and a half. Kurt Holliball at plus 140. Ooh. Uh, Robocop, that, that under is awful. Not taking minus 450 on Vada for that. Um, and then I'm going to go Cheeto Vera. Ooh, okay. I will go Ian Gary. And... Zhang Wiley. And that right there, those five picks is plus 771. I like Travis's a lot better. I'll probably definitely tail it. Uh, <laughs> it throws in, throws in Cheeto Vera, which I wanted to throw mine, but I was too chicken shit to do so. Mine's a more safer parlay. Travis throws in a dog in there. A dog that in – no, I'm not going to say it because I like that. Fuck it. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, actually. 
I don't know a lot about this Hollowbug guy. You've watched a lot more Ultimate Fire than I have, so I will take your word for it. Um, we're going on an hour here. It's been a good episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about trading topics-wise? Oh, what do you think about the whole Michael Orr situation? So I didn't even – I didn't really read the article. How – I don't understand like what okay, he's lying about. That he was adopted. I got, I got it. So I read the article and everything. So um, Michael Orr, if everyone who's seen The Blind Side, Sandra Bullock, Tim McGraw, um, you know the story. So basically they find this kid. And so when they, when they found him, Travis, he was 17. And they took him into his home. Well, during the football season that year, he had turned 18. So when he turned 18, they apparently, apparently gave him, they, the people who adopted him, I can't pronounce their name. They gave him a, a piece of paper and said, hey, sign this. And it was basically signing over all the rights to his like likeness and story and all that stuff. Um, and they never legally adopted him. So now he's coming out 10 years later, almost more than that, after the, after he ret- almost retired from the NFL and saying that, hey, you guys use my name. You're using my name and likeness. You're saying that because like the, the wife's a motivational speaker and author. He's like, you're using my name, use my likeness to, to profit off of this. I want you to stop doing that. And I want you to pay me the proceeds from the movie that I never got. Because apparently the wife and the husband and the two children – all got $225,000 plus 2.25% from all the profit that the movie made. So they paid this family a million dollars plus 2.25% of what the movie made. You played in the NFL, bro. Relax. For a That's while. And if this family didn't take you in, you probably wouldn't play. Yeah. NFL. Like who? Well, yeah. Like if anything, I'd be thanking them. Yeah. Take your million dollars in the small percentage you're getting he was a fairly large name player. He was a first I know he made way more than what they made from the movie and everything. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out. Sounds like to me, what it sounds like is you didn't manage your finances very well. You're going to go broke, and now you're looking for ways to get more money. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought, too. That's kind of what I thought too, and uh, not going to get, uh, dude. Yeah, that that's it. They so they had uh, SJ. Remember SJ from from the movie? He was Mm -hmm. on the Barstool Rundown yesterday, and with with Big Cat, Dave, Tommy Smokes was on the Rundown with Barstool, and he's like, "Listen, like we knew this was coming for a while. This is the first time we tried to do this. Like, you know, blah blah blah. Why slandering our name or smearing us?" He goes, "Because." You know, we gave him the opportunity. My family gave him the opportunity to become an NFL superstar. We literally fed him, gave him housing. Yes, maybe we didn't leave because it's it. not like they picked. It's not like that he was already playing football beforehand. No, yeah. Like they they showed he that from what the movie portrays anyway. It's like he they pretty much like introduced him to football because he was a he was a specimen of a human being <laughs> and yeah i mean he was a great football player but whatever man that's trash so, <laughs> that's trash <laughs> dude uh, yeah i mean uh, there's, there's two a lot sides that happened in the football world over the last couple of days yeah like dalvin cook and zeke elliott both going to afc east both going to backfields that have pretty solidified starting backs 
That is why, ladies and gentlemen, that you do not do your draft very early. Because if you've already done your draft and you drafted Brees Hall or Ramondre Stevenson early, shoot yourself in the foot. I think both situations are going to blow up massively. First of all, the Jets, we've seen this with super teams in the NFL and never pans out. you got too many cooks in the kitchen who think, who think they're hot shit. Oh, as far as a team, I'm talking about just fantasy implications. Fuck team-wise at the moment. Just fantasy implications. Yeah. Like, what happened? Like, how mad are you if you drafted Brees Hall? Because you you mean to tell with Zeke, okay, he might not get a lot of carries. Dalvin Cook, yeah, he's gonna get a lot of carries or touches at least. Third, third, third down situations. Yeah, something. I mean, Zeke is, I mean, they could both very well also overtake the starting job. Yeah. And it sucks for us all coming off. Yeah, it really sucks for us being Dolphins fans. We got Brees Hall coming off his injury, and you got Ramondre Stevenson coming off the fucking stupid lateral backwards that lost me a million dollars. But it got the Dolphins a playoff spot. No, that, that was Jacoby off. Myers. That was Jacoby Myers. Oh, it was Jacoby Myers. That's right. Fuck him. Well, it came down Patriots. to it like we we needed the Patriots to lose to lose an extra game, and they fucking lost that game. It was no. It was fucking Ramondre Stevenson who handed him the ball. He handed Jacoby Myers the ball, and then he threw it backwards. Well, hey, hey, you know what? He didn't throw the fucking ball, so that's all I gotta say. That was the dumbest fucking throw I've ever seen in my life. But but yeah, I mean, nine million dollars is a lot for a year. First of all, like you said, now going back to your super team, to spend that much money on a running back when the running back market is kind of in the shitter, and you spend a lot of money on him when you already have a starting running back. What are you doing? Yeah, everyone thought the Dalvin Cook to Miami made sense because Miami was his hometown. It's where he grew up. But listen, we only have nine million dollars in cap space for the rest of the year. So if someone goes down, we got to do an emergency signing. Like we got to save some money. Can't empty out the fucking bank account for a running back that we don't really need, let alone the Jets. So I mean, he was he wasn't a high priority need, but need in terms of a significant upgrade from. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. But yeah, for nine million dollars, that's a lot. Yeah, no. I mean fucking nine million dollars is gonna have to go get us a quarterback when Tua goes down. Yeah, because Mike White ain't it. But anyway, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um I mean what else and happened? Then, um sad, sad, don't want to end on a somber note, but Alex Collins, former Seahawk, uh former Arkansas Razorback uh, passed away in his motorcycle accident last night, which was super sad to see because he was young and he was actually fairly talented, like pretty talented and did well when he got his opportunity in the NFL. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you, you said former Razorback. I remember watching him play for Arkansas. Uh, so I'm saying we, I, we, he played against us when we were in college. Again, yeah. I say against us like we played for the team. But <laughs> it's like all, it feels like all – a lot of accidents happened in like the Miami area, Fort Lauderdale area, because that's where it was. It was in Broward County. It's not a great area to be in. I mean, I mean, I, I've been there once. It was. I'll, I don't have any desire to go back. I'll go back to Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale was great. Yeah. You go <clears throat> forty minutes south of Miami in the traffic. Me and Carly spent the night in the South Beach, and we were we went down to like the downtown strip area. And she saw a rat the size of a fucking raccoon run across our feet. And I'm just like, nope, this this place ain't for me. So I'm never going back here. 
maybe we, maybe you should try New York City then. You might think otherwise. I will never go there. I actually, <laughs> I, so okay, yeah. So, well, anyway, that's uh, I think I think it's gonna do it, right? Unless you have anything else you want to touch on. It's been a fun episode. It's been a while since it's been us two shooting the shit. Yeah, not the same. Yeah, not saying that Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> it's a quality content, but it's just it's, uh, no. Yeah, he is. He is in a hotel tonight, and he, as you know, he very well just sits back and listens to our UFC banter anyway. So that's what it would have been. But outside of that, that is all. And then from here on out, you guys will get straightforward because are you while our, while we do put out UFC picks, they are pretty. They're pretty informal. From here on out, it is formal football picks going forward. Formal, formal. yes, we'll do. We got to, like I said, we got to think of a good format. I'm thinking you're not going to like it. I'm thinking we need to do like just podcasts. We all need to agree to us to a consensus on a pick for games. I think we did that a couple years ago, like maybe the first year, and it actually turned out well. Podcast, it didn't do bad. What we need to do, we're just going to talk about this while we're here. What we need to do is. We each come to the t- – it's like a round table. We each come to the podcast with our picks. We th- we can throw them out there. We can track them all individually, like just to see, like, like hey, last week uh, Ethan went 6-0, and but we only took two of his picks. Jarrett, you went 1-5, and but we took three of your picks. Yeah. See how people are doing. So we th- all throw our picks out there, but we only collectively come up with X amount of units or X amount of picks, however we want to do it. I agree. I agree with that. Like, I think every single week we say, like, as as a collective unit, we get 10, 15 units, whatever we sign it is. Yeah, 10 units. And we all come with our picks to the table. We all present our – it's like almost like a debate. We'll say, hey, here's here's my pick. Here's why I'm thinking it. I think it will make us all listen a little bit more too because I feel like sometimes I kind of tune you guys out because I'm like, okay, what, why, what's my next Yeah, what, do I want, what am I saying what here? Yeah, exactly. Yada, yada, yada. No, I like yeah. that. And then to – that way, like as yeah, like, a listener, like you're hearing everything, like not just what we end up with, but that way, if you're like, oh, I actually like that too, outside of what you picked, you're getting that too. So, but then we yeah. eventually, like I said, we, we, we can still track, we can still track everything individually and say, you know, you, like you said, Jarrett went three and went three and six last week and we took four of his picks and they were all four losers, you know, so. like he had, he had five picks you know total that were totals not against the spread and his totals went four and one let's maybe let's maybe take a couple more of his totals this week yeah we'll come with a more inclusive thing to do so we're excited though football's back like i said the only other episode the rest of the year i plan on missing will be that week i go to canada because i'll tell you all why i leave on a wednesday morning and i don't want to be hung over on a flight going internationally on a work trip so that's the only one I'll miss the rest of the year. And it's unfortunately what? college football week one. I will still provide picks. I will still submit picks to Travis. It's been my reasoning why. Whether Maybe we can just with, – well, with college football, picks come out on – or most – a lot of lines. If lines are out on Monday, maybe we, we can do, do Monday. Monday. We can do Monday that week. That's what I was thinking too because, like, the first games are Thursday. So, yeah, a lot of lines come out on Monday. So we'll just have to do that to make it – even better for week one. We don't want to get off on the wrong foot. So yes. we'll do that. But either way, glad you listened to our brainstorming. We'll see you next week. College Football Week Zero. Peace. Peace.